Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast, dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball and the Coach's Edge. Thank you for joining me today. Coach Mike Masucci joins the show. 20 years of head coaching experience, now president of AEO Leadership, and I really enjoyed our conversation. I know you are going to as well. If you are interested in building the culture of your program, emphasizing leadership, Mike is your guy. He works with high school teams. He works with entire schools throughout the state of Michigan. And I am sure that if you take some of these key points of emphasis away from our interview with him, they're going to help you tremendously when you're working with your team and your program. Thanks for checking out this podcast. If you find it beneficial, be sure to share it out with another coach. A positive rating and review goes a really long way. And one more time, a a tremendous thank you uh, to Coach Masucci for spending the time on the Coaster's Edge. Let's get to the show. I'd like to give a warm Coach's Edge welcome to Mike Masucci, AEO Leadership. Coach, thanks for jumping on the Coach's Edge podcast. Steve, I'm happy to join you. You know, we, we met this summer and, um, you know, with a, a mutual friend of ours and uh, Karana, Rocky, and um, just chatting with you for a few minutes. I was like, this is a person I need to connect with down the road. And uh, I, I hope that feeling was mutual. And so I'm glad we're able to do this. Absolutely. Uh, Rocky Bushami, great coach out of Karana, formerly at Detroit Loyola. Um, just a wonderful coach and a wonderful guy. And I enjoyed watching you work his team out. You know, you had some some great drills, some music in the background. And I, I had, I don't know if you noticed, I had my notebook out. Um, <laughs> but we actually, Steve, um, as you as you know, because we talked about it in the gym, mm-hmm. we ran into each other in 2003 when you were a superstar. <laughs> I UCA. wasn't going to bring this one up. <laughs> I know it's, it's a better story for you because you came on the winning side of it, but but we uh, met in the regionals and, uh, and your team got the better of us uh, uh, due to uh, some great players like yourself and to a great coach uh, that you had at uh, Unionville Seabling as well. So that was the first time I, I knew of Steve Kramer. And then the second time was, was this summer. And I'm happy to do this with, uh, with you today. It's a small, it's a small world uh, from two good teams battling out almost 20 years ago, you know, good, good players, good coaches um, to, you know, 20, almost 20 years later and uh, meeting at a basketball camp. It's, you know, that, that's why I love hearing basketball stories and just how what brings people to, to certain spots is always really cool to hear. And so before we get into our topic, really touching on leadership, which, which is something that you are really passionate about, uh, you're very well respected in this area. But before we get to that, let's give our listeners a little bit of background. So if you could just touch on some of your basketball experience, we'd love to hear it. Well, thanks for that. So just quickly, you know, my dad was a college football player uh, and a coach. My grandfather was a a coach, high school football, basketball, baseball. I grew up in coaching, and that's something I've always wanted to do uh, since I was really young. When When my parents would take me to games, I would watch the coaches coaching the players. I didn't watch much of the guys watching how the coaches interacted. I want to get near the huddles. I wanted to see all the interactions. And I was just in awe of all the great coaches and dreamed of coaching ever since I was real, real young, really blessed. When I graduated from college, my first job in high school was at Detroit country day. Uh, That would have been in 1992. I was a sixth grade history teacher and the JV boys coach and assistant for the girls. What an incredible place to start. Uh, At that time, Detroit Country Day was probably the best high school program in the state of Michigan, uh, led by the boys program, led by the legendary coach, Kurt Keener, and on the girls side, legendary coach, Frank Orlando, both Hall of Famers, both wonderful men and incredible mentors to have. I mean, just imagine being 22, you know, going to practices and, you know, there's Coach K, there's Coach Patino, there's the, uh, you know, Coach Izzo and all the 
the greats, you know, watching, you know, this young Shane Battier, you know, uh, become the person he and player he became, but it was just an incredible place to start. And, uh, you know, from there, I was uh, really blessed. We won the state championship uh, Shane's sophomore year. Well, they continued to win. I left after a sophomore year and went to a school called Royal Oak Shrine Catholic, which that's the school that you that we played you in uh, in, the, in the regionals. And then from there, went to Royal Oak High. And, you know, my my bat is a 20. So a 20 year varsity basketball coach. But my interest in uh, the X's and O's started leaning more towards leadership. And uh, there's just a kind of a passion that started to to grow from there. Uh, and sure enough, you know, I was blessed to meet really a rising tide person in my life, a guy by the name of Tim McCormick, who was an All-American from Michigan, an NBA player, who's also a renowned leader, works in the NBA, does leadership development in the NBA, runs the top 100 camp in the country, helps run it, one of the directors. And he uh, called me and says, Mike, how do we bring some of the things we're doing in the NBA in the, in the top 100 camp to Michigan? How do we build what eventually became known as the Michigan Elite 25 program here in Michigan, where we can teach the best of the best players, the top 100 players, life skills, leadership skills, skills they're gonna need for life. And it was from that relationship with Tim that really turned me uh, more from like a, a leadership passion to a leadership practice. Uh, he inspired me to write a book. I read a book. I wrote a book with him on leadership. Then I wrote another one, and that just started uh, a leadership journey that took me away from basketball coaching. Which leads us into the topic of our conversation right here. And first off, I love hearing everybody's story. And um, I mean. Detroit Country Day, not just one of the best teams in the state, one of the best teams in the country. I mean, that's oh, yeah. the best of the best. Um, that's that's so cool. What a what a great uh, upbringing as a young coach to be in that environment. One I mean, one quick one quick funny story. Yeah, Steve, I was running a little bit late from class to my practice, and I didn't have my key to open up the the uh, ball rack and. So I ran into Coach Keener's office, said, Coach, I need the key. And then, like, sitting right there was Coach K and Tommy <laughs> Amaker. And, like, I was – like, I my jaw hit the ground. I mean, Duke was the best program yeah. in the country at that yeah. time. And he was my – I read all his books, and, and he stood up. I mean, his suit was pristine. His shoes were like West Point shine. And he took out his hand, looked me in the eye, said, Mike Krzyzewski. And I like, I, I just froze. I said, uh, Mike Masuski. Like I went from being <laughs> Italian to being Polish. And he just laughed. Tommy Amaker's laughing. Coach Keener's laughing. But it was like the time of my life in coaching just because I was so young and learning so much. Um, and I just, uh, I can't tell you enough how, what an impact uh, like people like Frank Orlando and Kurt Keener made on me. And uh, I can't impress em enough about young coaches getting those mentors right while you're young to help, you know, mold you into the coach that you aspire to be. So, cool. so I just wanted to add that. And, and no doubt that that's a reason why you're doing what you're doing now is I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're passing that forward, passing it on, which is awesome. Um, president of AEO leadership. Let's let's dig into that. What does that stand for? What is it? What does it mean to you? You know, when I was uh, figuring out, I got I was I became a coach at a young age, 24 varsity coach at a young age, 24 years old. When I started the journey, I really was a reader and I knew I needed to have some kind of identity in my program, something that would uh, outlast the basketball court. So I really wanted to to say like, when I said to a team, we got to play Royal Oak basketball, or we got to play Royal Oak Shrine basketball, they would know exactly what I meant. Uh, and so I really spent a lot of time thinking about what do I want? What do I want my teams to represent? And then how do I want my players to 
represent themselves in the classroom, uh, in their living rooms, when they go to college, when they're husbands, when they're fathers, like what is it, what do I want my players to be like? And what do I aspire? So I came up with, you know, three words that I really, I might've said every day in my coaching career, and that's attitude, excellence, and others. And so what I, that means to me is, and I'll, I'll, we can dive deeper and later if you want, but for a young man to be a, a person of great attitude, like to have a mindset of an attitude of gratitude. Because when our brain, see if our brain is at our best, it's best, excuse me, when it is in a state of gratefulness. And so let's start there. Let's be grateful for this opportunity to play this beautiful game. Our, the family in our life, brothers, siblings in our lives, our friends, our teammates, and this opportunity to play this great game. Let's not let this opportunity um, be lost. And then also an attitude of curiosity. What's my role on this team? How do I become a starter? Um, what's the coach expect from me? What does this team need today? And, you know, obviously beyond the court, you know, uh, where do I want to go to college? What, what dreams do I have? And start to become a person of curiosity. So when our brain is curious and grateful, there's nothing that can stop us. And so that was the first thing, an attitude of curiosity and gratefulness. And we can go into that later. And then the second one was excellence. You know, and it doesn't mean perfection. I never wanted to have players that were afraid to make mistakes, but I wanted them to be held accountable for the things they did. And we talked about excellence all the time. Preparation, thoughtfulness, repetition. Uh, you know, repetition is the mother of all skills. So anything that I, I asked our players to do, we would repeat all the time. Where it became from our mind to our bodies, where it became habit. And so we would talk about excellence all the time. And really, I, I define it very simply. Am I better this year than I was last year? Am I better this month than I was last month? Am I better this week than I was last week? Am I better you know, today than I was yesterday? And even a finer um, point to it, am I better this drill than I was last drill? And if we can say that honestly, then we're on a path of excellence. And so, and then the last one is uh, others. You know, we were going to be young men for others. We we're going to be great teammates. I think I use the word rising tide all the time. We're going to be lifters. We're going to be somebody that when we walk into the room, everybody feels better because we're there. It's because of, you know, our smile, our body language, how we interact with them. And that's just not our teammates in the locker room. That's our classmates in the hallway. That's our teachers, you know, and, and then later on in life, those are certainly, you know, our, our spouses, our kids, our employees, all those other things uh, that come with being a successful person. So that's, that's essentially where AEO came from, just a lot of work on what I wanted my program to represent. Then I took those words and then created an LLC when I got more into the leadership side, and that became AEO Leadership LLC. Well, these really go hand in hand with leadership, right? I mean, it's in such a servant leadership uh, mindset. I love the, you said lifters. I mean, awesome. Just be a lifter, yeah. right? Yeah. Lift other people up. Are they better because you walked into the room? <laughs> Are they better because yeah. you left, right? right. I mean, which right. would be the opposite. You're pulling people down. Um, man, what a, what a great thing to, to keep in mind. You know, leaving, leaving wherever you're at better right. than, than well, they, when you got there. There's science behind, you know, people can feel what's in your heart up to six to 10 feet away. Hmm. So if your mind's right, and you know, really genuinely want the good of your teammates, they can feel that, hmm. you know, they can feel you and, and you want those feelings to be like, man. I feel good around Steve. <laughs> Anytime yes. I see Steve, yeah. I feel like, you know, there's nothing stopping me. You know, you think about the, you know, one of, you know, one passion I have is, is, is learning about the brain. And, you know, our brain produces national, our, 
natural chemicals like serotonin and oxytocin. And serotonin is that natural chemical you get from an interaction with somebody. It could be a smile, could be a, a high five, could be somebody pointing at you. Uh, and that serotonin, that exchange of brain chemicals is like, man, I feel good. Hmm. Uh, and then there's also oxytocin. And that's like, a, a, that's like love. That's like, I genuinely want you to feel good. You know, oxytocin is that chemical that, you know, often a mother will feel for their own child that says, you know, nothing's going to stop you from being successful. And I'm going to do everything I can to help that happen. And you can feel that oxytocin, that genuine love. And that's a place that you want to be with the people in your life is that serotonin and oxytocin and uh, that you, that you become uh, fans of one another and actually root for them. I love it. Well, I'm, I'm, Selfishly, I'm really interested in everything that you have to say, because for, for me and my line of work, I have a short window because I work with so many programs that I've never met before, and I'm only going to be with them for a few days. And so what you have to say, I know is going to help me a lot, because to be able to uh, go to a group, and I know you do this as well, to a group of young people and get them to feel that even though you're brand new and you haven't met before, that you truly do have their best interest in mind is right. powerful. And, and once you can get that and it's, it's not just, okay, yeah, I trust you. It's, it's, it's a feeling. It's, it's something just you, you can't really put words to it. But when that clicks and that happens, Right. then things really start to, to snowball in a positive way. And it's a ton of fun to be in that type of environment, whether it's on the court, in the classroom, wherever that goes, which I'm sure we're going to come back into these topics. So let, let's get back into that. How do you establish some of these, these words, these standards of attitude, excellence, and others with a group or a team? You know, when I, uh, when I go around, I've been fortunate enough to go around the state of Michigan and talk. Uh, but I've also been, I believe, more blessed to, to work with uh, specifically schools, teams, and other coaches on a more intimate level after coaching. And the first thing that I'd like, that I want to do with any organization is establish trust. Like they can trust me uh, and I can trust them. And how do we do that? Well, First of all, I always feel an invited guest is treated best. Like they've got to want it. Most of, the, most of the programs that I work with, ironically, are already really good. <laughs> really good. And, and that makes sense to you because you know that the great players want to be coached, right? And so I'm very fortunate to be around motivated programs. And so... What we do is we start with our brain. Like I believe knowledge is power. So we do a lot of mindset training and that establishes at least the launching pad of our relationship. And so we talk about, you know, our brain a lot. If our brain has a hundred billion neurons and um, there's more going on in our brain than the Milky Way galaxy, how do we train our brain to perform our best when our best is needed? And then we begin to talk about things that we just discussed, curiosity. What would it look like for me to have a great day today? Before my foot hits the floor, what do I need to do? And you start getting your brain right. And then you start envisioning what a great day might look like. What would I need to eat today in order to be the best version of myself? What do I need to do for my team today in order for our team to be the best version of itself? What does my team need? How do I walk into practice today? Or how do I walk into my history class? And, and they start envisioning what their best self looks like. And so we start with a lot of visioneering and then goal setting. And so that's the beginning. Now they start to see, okay, this, this guy is invested in my future. This guy's invested in our team's success. And that's where 
our relationship, you know, starts. And then it's an ongoing process throughout a season. And I, I'll tell you, the last couple of years have been maybe with the COVID exception. So the years around the COVID uh, year have been really rewarding for me to, and I'll tell you what, I learned just as much from the programs that I work with than I'm sure they do for me. I worked with uh, uh, Brighton High School's hockey team. They had just won the state championship the year before. Coach calls me, he says, Mike, I'd like you to facilitate our first coaches meeting this year. And so I get there, I, you know, we, we talk about the program, their you know, future challenges, how tough it will be to repeat, all that stuff. We, we're writing down notes. And, and so he starts his meeting this way. He, he had his, he had his um, coaches there, his varsity staff, his JV staff, his strength coach, his skating coach, his trainer. He had, it was you know pretty impressive table full of, of uh, staff members. And he starts this way, he says, folks, he says, we brought Coach Masucci in. We just got to find ways to get better at what we do. We've got to reach our kids at a deeper level. And they had just won the state championship. So that's what I mean. Like, I, I tend to work with very successful coaches and programs uh, that are doing things the right way. I've never really been invited to a rebuild, you know, or to a um, uh, a mediocre program, which is pretty ironic. Uh, I have done some mission building with schools, which I, I enjoy uh, immensely, but never like a rebuild. It's always been a rebrand or, or something to that effect. That's really interesting in a couple different ways. One, you're absolutely right. I mean, what, what's a common thing among people that seem to be successful, they also have an understanding that that success doesn't happen alone. So even though they won that state championship for hockey, they already know, like, if we're going to be elite, if we're going to continue to get better, we need to continue to surround ourselves with high level people that can help us do that. You being one of those people, that's a, that's a great story. Now you said that you haven't been as around as much of those mediocre and lower level teams, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, what would some of your advice be to that coach, that varsity coach who's in charge of a program and the program's just been, been struggling to, to get moving or maybe, and you could answer this together or separately, or maybe it's a brand new coach. They just got hired to a, a program that's been struggling for years and they're looking to hit the reset button and turn the corner what would be some of that advice that you give? Let me let me start by by saying this. I think there, and this is this is I think what makes um, the some of the things I'm doing so rewarding. I believe that there's never been a more difficult time in the history of athletics to coach. At the same time, I I believe there's never been a better time in the history of athletics to be an athlete. So you have a rub there. You have a rub where coaching has never been so difficult and being an athlete has never been like as easy. Like, just think about it. If you're an aspiring division one athlete, you could go to Steve Kramer and you get trained. You could go to YouTube, you could get trained. You could read, you know, you can read this, you know, uh, listen to this podcast. You could read this book. I mean, you have so many resources to be great. There's really no excuse not to be great anymore. And as a coach, you've got your players being trained by different people, AAU coach being coached by different people. You have social media pressures. You have parental pressures. You have a transparency about your profession like never before. And uh, it's just everything's you know, with an exclamation point instead of a period. So it's just ramped up. So I say that to, to kind of as an on-ramp to your question is when I go to coaches in these programs, I often begin with why exercises. Like, why do you, why do you coach? Instead of like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing it? And getting into, and Simon Sinek, a, a real, you know, 
thought leader in, in the world today is a big believer and pusher of asking the why questions, getting at to, you know, why did you get into prof this profession? Well, it might be, you know, you are a great player and you want to give back to the game the way the coaches gave to you, you know, and, and you remember some of the inspiring coaches that you have. And, and so to tap into that why a little bit more than what, uh, and start identifying those things, because what happens is coaches getting, get beat, beaten down, excuse me, and they start pointing to their problems instead of their possibilities. And so, you know, if this is a tough job, which I believe it is, put your ego to a side and, and talk to somebody, you know, talk to a Steve Kramer, talk to a Mike Masuda, hey, you know, let me tell you about my team. You know, what are your thoughts? And just going through that kind of, you know, internalization and, and helping them get their mind right. And one of the things about coaches is the great ones have no ego. I try to emulate that. I try to come in there. You know, I made a lot of mistakes as a coach. You know, it's not like I, you know, some ex, I just come in with the resources I have and the time that I have, you know, um, to, to kind of help bring perspective. So maybe that's a long way to answer your question on where do you start with a team that may be struggling, that may hit like a kind of a mediocre, like rhythm or, or something. I, uh, I often start with that. So why do we coach and start getting into that inspiration? Because no matter what your record is, you can be excellent. You know, you, if you're inspired, and you inspire your players and you teach them well and you hold them accountable to high standards. Uh, that's what excellence is all about. You know, we went into, you know, how do you make people feel? Well, you know, you know, well enough that you've probably played in games where you've won and you didn't really feel good. And it's probably because Maybe, you know, you didn't prepare as well as you should have, or you didn't play as hard as you wanted to, or, or you missed some opportunities, or you had a chance to draw a charge. You didn't, whatever the, the reason is, you just didn't feel good. And then there were probably games where you won, or excuse me, where you lost, and you felt good because you played hard. You know, you, you did everything right. You filed the scouting report, and the ball just didn't go your way. You know, so what coaches should really aspire for is how do I want my players to feel, you know, like, and, and, and they should feel really good in your program, really inspired. Like you're doing contemporary state-of-the-art stuff. I'd also encourage coaches. And I know that most do. So I'm not, I'm preaching your to the choir for your audience. I'm sure is to make it more about basketball because if it's just about basketball, then it's going to be just about your record. But if you're doing a team read, if you're bringing in, you know, leadership uh, speakers, if you're, you know, filling their hearts, if you're checking up on their studies, if you, you know, um, you know, care about their life outside the court, then it becomes, you're not a coach in my life. You're a leader in my life. And then it becomes, you know, more about the game. Uh, so that's, you know, where we start, you know, why do you coach? And then really building stuff, not only on the court, uh, but off the court, you know? So I, I saw, I heard a speaker say this once, he said, you really don't really know somebody until you have about a hundred conversations with them. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and so that's true. You're, I mean, you got to have a, do you have a hundred conversations with your players? Like, and it doesn't have to be long drawn out stuff, but like, hey, you know, how was your history test yesterday? You know, that's a conversation or, hey, you know, we need to bounce back from tomorrow. Be the lot, be the most energetic person in our, our practice tomorrow. You know, whatever it is that you're saying, just reach out and have those conversations with your guys individually from, you know, your first guy to your 12th guy. And, uh, you know, you might think oh, that's a lot of work. Well, coaching's a lot of work you know, if you're yeah. doing it the right way. Yeah. Communication is, is key. It's a lot of work, but it's a, it's a vital aspect of being successful in, in anything. And there are so many good nuggets in there. If you're listening, you know, I'd encourage you to just 
rewind back the past five minutes or so and just listen to uh, Coach Masucci again. So, so many nuggets in there that I think we can take away and apply to what we're doing as coaches. Um, I think that it's so easy, and, and you hit it right on the head, it's so easy for coaches to get beat up in our our basketball world today, you know, based on what's happening. And, and so often it's what's happening on the outside affecting the inside and, and beating down that coach. And to get back to what you talked about of reminding yourself of the why and reminding yourself of with that why, where's my group? What's that inner circle, right? That's your coaching staff. That's your players. That That's your home base. That's your family. And for those coaches that are struggling, not judging yourself by their record, but the people development as you're going through the basketball season. I love that. That's fantastic. And you mentioned a little bit of the, the parents as well. So with our next question, I'm curious, you have a coach that brings you in. And so, so they're bought in. They wouldn't have brought you in if, you know, they, they weren't sold on uh, making some improvements with their program. How do you go about getting the players and the parents to buy in to something that's new, which means they're probably also going to be challenged to make some changes? Well, I, I do do some parent programs. Uh, when we worked with the uh, Elite 25 uh, kids, too, we would do some recruiting nights and, and bring in speakers to help you know, lay out a uh, a game plan to get recruited and, and about branding and other things like that. And I also have done uh, parent programs at some high schools that I've worked with. And I think, you know, without getting too complicated, it's like parents want to know, um, do you care about my son or daughter? Right. Number one, uh, you know, are you, are you competent and can you help my son or daughter get, you know, what, what they want or what their goals are? And then um, number three is what can I as a parent do to help them succeed as well? You know, so we, we really talk all about those three things. And, and one of the things about parents, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's hard. You know, I've, co I've, I've coached, but I've also, my sons have played basketball. And I think as a, as a coach, no matter what your um, experience is as a parent, is to really put yourself in the shoes of a parent. You know, give them, and your coaches won't like, they might shut the podcast off right now after I say this, but give them permission um, to really act irrationally, like, because they're going to, you know, like, don't tell them that, but like in your mind. And then, you know, before, a parent meeting, you want to go in there saying, you know, I'm going to forgive this father um, right now before he even says anything. <laughs> and then you walk into the meeting, get your mind right, because they're going to be irrational. And why? Because they love their son. They love their daughter. You can, you can bring in Mike Masucci, Steve Kramer, you can have a bullet point of communication protocols on how to you know, communicate with the coaches in your pre, you know, uh, parent meeting, and they're still going to be parents that are banging on your door or texting you or like they, and it's like, okay, they love them. They're irrational. And I can guarantee you in about 20 years, 15 years, 10 years, whatever it takes, they're going to regret what they did, <laughs> you know, but, and they may even reach out to you and say, Hey, sorry about all that crazy stuff I did when my son played for you. <laughs> and so if you have that perspective, I think that it helps you as a coach. Now, it's also getting your AD and the principal and superintendent to buy into it. It's like, like parents are yeah. gonna be a little irrational. So I'm not trying to be Pollyannish about it, but I'm also saying that you give them a little bit of grace too. And I think as parents, you all, they also have to give the coaches a little bit of grace. I mean, their coaches are going to make mistakes. They might say something short to their son or to their daughter. Uh, they may, uh, their body language or their uh, in voice inflection might not be what the, you know, ideal voice inflection should be for reprimanding or, or holding someone accountable. They're going to make mistakes. So it's, it's a starting with a little bit 
of grace um, on both ends, I think is a healthy place. And that's, I think, the one of the advantages of bringing in somebody like me or you to, to talk to parents as a third party, mm-hmm. you know, and to yeah. kind of, you know, um, bring the parents through an entire season. Like, like we just did some brain training. You're like, imagine your son gets pulled out of a game. How would you feel? How are you going to react? What should be a react? You know, and put the parents through like, like I can guarantee you one thing that is going to happen is you're not going to be happy with your, with the coach this year. You know, I can guarantee you that. Uh, and so what would be your reaction? You know, and we you know, and talk about that, like hypothetically, and just plant that in their brain a little bit, you know, um, before the season. So my message to parents is always, you know, let's start with some forgiveness. The coaches are going to start with some forgiveness and let's give everyone the benefit of the doubt because we all have, we all have one thing in common here or should we all love your child, you know, and we're all going to do our very best for them. We might not agree on playing time or, or anything like that, but we all love your child. Let's start from that place. What a beautiful place to start from and then let the season proceed. I mean, that's one of the reasons why being a coach is so difficult is you have to keep the team in mind at all times, team first. Whereas as a parent, what are you thinking of first? Usually thinking of your specific child. And so if you got 12 players on a team, there's parents for each one of those children where that's, they love them, right? That's, that's their blood, right? They're thinking yeah. about them. And, and, and so it's just, you know, what I try to tell coaches and, and to think about is similar to what you said, understand why you got in it in the first place when things get really difficult and to accept that no matter what you do, you could make a hundred percent. Everything is the right decision, which we know would never happen, but you can make every decision right. And still somebody's going to be upset with you. You're never going to make everybody happy. And to be able to accept that and understand that going in, I think is, is huge for a lot of coaches. Right. And I, uh, I remember, you know, talking to a, a college coach and I won't say his name, but his sons were playing. And, and I asked, I asked her, how, how's your son doing? It was football. He says, you know, I don't like the offense that the coach runs. I don't like the defense coach runs, but I'll tell you what, he runs a heck of a program. <laughs> you know, I know that he, you know, has, you know, cares about my boy. Um, there, they have team meals, you know, they have leadership talks. My son has to dress a certain way. He's got responsibility about them. They're well-prepared. Like, like he had some perspective, you know? And, and so I think, you know, as a coach, you got to bring it, you know, you got to be on your A game and bring all of those things. Um, so you know, they might not like their, their son's playing time, but I'll tell you what, they, they probably appreciate all the other things. Yeah. At least they will down the road. And how big is that? Because um, for a, co- a college coach to be able to say that about a high school coach and the program that they're running, you'd much rather have it that way than the other way around where they're running some nice stuff, but the program, the culture is in shambles. It's either here nor there. When I think of leadership, and we've heard some of these terms before, I just want to hear some of your thoughts on it. You know, I think of servant leadership, transactional leadership versus transformational leadership. And you, and you being uh, a guru in, in this area, I just want to hear some of your thoughts when you hear those terms. Uh, I love that. I love transformational leadership That's and, and servant leader. Those are like cornerstones of what a leader uh, should be. I see, I see leadership as a choice. It's a choice you make, you know, every day. For example, your coach may nominate you as a captain. It's your choice if you're going to be a leader or not. Your principal may hire you as a coach. 
it'll be your choice if you want to be a leader or not. So you got to choose, like it's something that you got to choose. So once you then choose that, and it's, it's a daily commitment, then it's putting other people's success in front of your own. So like there's like one of the all-time greats thinkers that ever lived had had a lot to to write about friendship and Aristotle and I think it his writing really reflects leadership and he he really said he said this there are three types of friends there's there's a, a friend of pleasure that means like he, this friend is really fun to be around so you could be a a captain or a coach that's really fun to be around. Like, hey, this guy's fun. He's got good stories, spins a good tale, or the captain's real fun. And, but after the season, that friendship is gone or that, that you know, relationship is gone. And then the Aristotle writes, there's friends of utility. And that's like a very useful relationship. You know, you think of a, a classic point guard and center, you know, um, where you got the pick and roll or you've got a coach that helps you become a better player. Like it's a very useful thing or a friend um, that helps you out when you need it. Like that's a friend of utility. Like it's kind of like business partners. But then I think leadership is what he was getting at last when he said, then there's friendships of the good. And what he wrote about that is they will the good for others. And so as a leader, you've really got to will the good of those that you lead, that you genuinely want them to do extremely well. And so what does that mean? That means you're going to put a lot of time, a lot of investment, a lot of expertise into ensuring their success uh, as basketball players, as young leaders. And so when you're making a choice to lead, those in your charge now become, you know, the primary people in your life that you are willing the good for them. And you're going to mentor them. Also, I also think you can ramp up mentoring by becoming a sponsor. Like you're actually sponsoring your kids. Like you're not just, um, you know, saying, hey, I'll write you a letter of recommendation. You're saying, hey, I know a guy like maybe one of your players is uh, um, wants a letter of recommendation to apply for a summer job. Okay, I'm going to write you that letter, but I know a guy who opens pools. I'm going to call him for you and tell him you're the guy you need to hire. Like actually working on their behalf to set them up or, you know, I'm going to write you this letter at, um, you know, to go to, you know, Hope College. But then I also, one of my former players, uh, when is playing at hope when you go visit he's going to meet you at the door and give you a tour you know like really going that extra effort to will that good and to sponsor them into some success uh just like going that extra mile and that's kind of what we were talking about earlier that excellence that's what leadership is you know it's it's making a choice where you're going to will the good of the others um, that are in your charge Man, I love that. And the, the fact that it's a choice means it's a choice that we have every moment, every hour, every day. And just because you made that choice yesterday, but doesn't mean you're going to wake up and be a leader today. You have to make that choice again, right? And then you have to make that choice again the next day. And you did a great job of differentiating. Okay, you were elected a captain. You were probably elected a captain based on past experiences with with you as a player on that specific team but being a leader is something that you choose to do day in and day out moment in and moment out and the way you broke down those three friends up I love so I'll, I'll repeat that for our listeners pleasure utility and good and three positive types of friends to have but man th when you start to lift the the good in other people oh man that's that's amazing and I'm, and I'm sure you know as you were saying that I was trying to think about different people in my life that fit those three different categories and myself right. trying to trying to be that that third one coach that well, is really really good stuff well you think about you know if you want to be the point guard of your varsity team 
let's say, all right, I'm going to call Coach Kramer. And I'm going to get some drills. And I'm going to practice my left hand and my right hand and my ball hand. I'm going to pass. And then I'm going to work on my shot. And, and so you've got all of that skill building and repetition to go into becoming a point guard. But if somebody says, all right, you're the point guard, you've trained for it, you've earned it. And then somebody says, okay, your teammates nominated you captain. Well, nobody's trained you for that job. Like you've had no training. You've had maybe four, maybe longer than that if you're a varsity player, probably like eight to 10 years of training to be the point guard. <laughs> but you've had zero training to be the leader. They nominated you captain, but you're unprepared to be the leader. So they may choose the lead, but they're unprepared. And so that's where, you know, coaches will bring in guys like me to kind of help do that leadership training because, you know, it'd be like saying, all right, you're the point guard. Well, I've never dribbled before. Well, that's all right. We need you. You know, they, the players nominated you. Well, that, that wouldn't make sense. No coach in the right mind would do that, but we do that with captains um, asking them to lead um, and leadership's a skill, just like ball handling and shooting. You've got to, you've got to have some repetition and training behind that. And that would be so beneficial. I'm thinking of myself, especially as a high school player and um, being mature in, in a lot of certain areas and being very immature in other ones. It wasn't because I didn't want to do those things, but getting some of the, the, the training and the understanding of like, how do you go about you know, serving other people in a way that that's going to help them would have been extremely beneficial for me and for, for anybody. And it wasn't until really I went to college and started to be around even more people that served in more of a, a leadership mentorship type role that I feel like I really started to figure out a little bit of what that looks like. And even going, going back to the point that we were discussing about, you know, in order to really know someone, you've got to have about a hundred conversations with them. Well, if your captain knew that, right? He's, you know, he goes to the twelfth man. Says, hey, what kind of music you listen to? That'd be perfect. You know, oh yeah, and and so that's one. So then you, you've got some credibility and some relationship. Now, if he's not touching the line or he's not, you know, pulling his weight, and you got to get on him a little bit, hold him accountable. Well, there's there's a bank account there that's you know you can draw yeah. from. Well. And in those I think I think of those conversations and looking back now, you know, with some of the things that I know now compared to what I knew then and figuring out, okay, with all these guys on my team, what motivates each of them? What, what's, what's their why, what gets them going? And for some of them, like they were just really competitive people. Right. And so to push that button, so to speak of like, Hey, let's like, let's get after it. And then that next one, maybe they're not as competitive, but they're a really team friend oriented so getting them to be like man let's let's do this together man we're in this we're in this together right um and then to also have some of those conversations and understand what's going on at at home with with different people and maybe it's a relationship or with, with a player and and being able to understand that better so that your communication is hitting them where it needs to be all that stuff is is super super beneficial coach as we finish out the podcast Two things. One, of course, I want to make sure that all of our listeners can figure out where they can find you and learn more uh, about everything that you have going on. But if you could share um, what's one of the biggest, and maybe it's not a person, but what's an experience that, that you had that's made a lasting impact on you as a coach? First, with respect to, you know, where can you find me? Um, I don't have a large social media presence, but you know, I have a website, michaelmasucci.com. You can find a little bit more about my books um, on that uh, website. And, and uh, um, I have a Twitter account. You can follow me there. Um, so that's, you know, just Google me or, you know, I have books on Amazon too. So you could, I'm, it's pretty easy to find, but it's not a large footprint. But with respect to you know, if, if there's a moment or there's an experience, I'm certainly, like I mentioned at the start, was blessed to have great mentors and sponsors in my life, people that really looked out for me. And I think that if you're a young coach, especially, 
mentors are more important than money, no matter what industry, you know, what sport. You want to really find people that will will the good for you. Um, that would be, I think, one piece. And I, I'm a big quote person, so I, I won't um, give an experience. I may share a quote that I read um, just last year that I've really, I wrote down and I read it every day. And it's uh, via like a 16th century playwright, Robert Southey. And it writes, it, or it says, uh, it's not where I breathe, it's where I love that I live. And I love that quote because, you know, love is really what it's all about. It's what we were talking about throughout this podcast. It's, it's like really getting after the good of other people. Uh, it's what, you know, Christians would say agape love, and it's really getting into a place. It, it, and that's typically coaches why, you know, it's like, it's for others. Like, why did you get in this game to help others? And so if coaches can get into their why and remember, it's not just breathing, it's not just what you do, it's why you're doing it. Uh, that helps sustain inspiration, motivation uh, to do what I'll say again, uh, hard work, maybe the hardest time to ever coach in the history of athletics. And so to do that, you got to constantly get in, uh, in, in touch with your why and then surround yourself with people that are going to be support systems. Absolutely. Uh, man, that's a great way to, to finish it. So with that in mind, to all of our coaches listening, props to you for doing the good work. Keep it up. Right. All of our coaches listening that are in it for the right reasons. Keep up the good work. We know that it's not easy, uh, but we're in your corner. Keep reminding yourself of that why, why you got into it, especially in those times when things get, get difficult. Um, I'll be sure to put all coaches uh, contact information in the show notes of the podcast. And if you found it beneficial, please subscribe. A positive rating and review goes a long way, but most importantly, share it out with somebody else, right? That's what the Coach's Edge is about. We're, we're trying to give you as a coach an edge. So if there's there's something that you found beneficial in this podcast, text it out to, to another coach so that they can get a nugget and you can help them out as well because that's what Coach Masucci and I are trying to do. Um, coach, can't thank you enough for being on the Coach's Edge. I really enjoyed this, Steve. Thank you for having me. Um, you're doing great work. I got to see you on the court. Now I got to see you off the court. So congratulations uh, on your enterprise. And I just want to echo what you just said to your listeners, to all the coaches out there, you know, thank you. And when you run into another coach, maybe you know or don't know, give them a little bit of a, a high five, a fist bump, <laughs> a thank you, and, and encouragement goes a long way. Uh, in, in our profession. So thanks again, Steve. And I really enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely, Coach. Yeah, show them show some love. So thanks to you for listening to the Coach's Edge. And as always, get after it today.